Well, good morning. I want to welcome you this morning. It's a beautiful day in South Florida. I want to give God praise. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So let's all stand together. You are here with us and those joining us by the World Wide Web, wherever you are. We want to welcome you this morning and give God praise for another new day. As we celebrate Father's Day, it's a great day to be alive and well. Let's look to the Lord in prayer and invite him to be with us, to do something special for each and every one of us. And, uh, and then we're going to invite our worship team. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness to us. Thank you for this beautiful day that you have made, God, and we give you praise and glory and honor. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house with your people on the Lord's day. This is the day the Lord had made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, it's an opportunity for us to come together to worship you in the house of the Lord. We give you praise for that. We give you glory, and we give you honor, and we bless your holy name. Thank you for keeping us, for watching over us, for protecting us, for guiding us. Lord, as we worship you this morning, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that you'd bless your people, those that are here and those watching us, that no one will be the same at the end of the service, but that the Spirit of God would have done a work in every heart and in every life, bringing about transformation and a change, making us more like you, Father. We thank you for what you're doing right now. We thank you for what you're about to do. And in everything, God, we want you to be glorified as we are edified and the devil be terrified in Jesus' name and all God's people everywhere say amen. Let's welcome our worship team as they come and lead us in our time of worship. Praise God. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a wave offering? Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. We thank God for you. We honor you. We see you. We appreciate and we love you. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Who's ready to worship? It's too quiet in here. Why? Who's ready to worship? Hallelujah. Our lives belong to him. Amen. So we can give him our heart, our soul, and our very best praise. You are my God, there is none other. You stand alone as Lord of all. Giver of life, peace, and prosperity, Lord. You are Lord of all. You are my God, you are my God, there is none other. I will praise you with all of my heart, praise you with all of my strength. I will praise you with all of my life. You are Lord. I will praise, I will praise, I will praise. 
God holds us in the palm of his hand and nothing takes him by surprise. We have a great hope in knowing that he is in control. So may we lift up our hands this morning in worship, unashamed, boldly and proud to declare that he is our strength.
sing it to the Father this morning. Sing, oh, Father, I love I you. church in actual world. Thank God for Jesus. As we go before the Lord this morning, I invite you to quiet your hearts. And let's join in one accord as we speak to our Father, the greatest Father that ever has been and is and will be. He's the embodiment of fatherhood. Let's bow our heads this morning. Our Heavenly Father, you're so holy and righteous. You're awesome. We're so grateful to be called your children. Thank you that you love us so much. That you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, in the form of man. So that he could represent us. He could pay the price for our sins. That today, we'll no longer be cast off. But we can be called children of God when we put our faith in him. We give you thanks today and we honor you on this Father's Day. We thank you, God. We honor you every day with our lives. But today we want to say especially thank you, loving Father, for loving us, for caring for us, for your faithfulness. As we gather together, Lord, 
We ask you to remember each father. We lift up in a very special way fathers in our congregation, in our community, in our nation, and around the world. Where people are tuning in today, we pray you'd strengthen and encourage those who are discouraged. Those who have lost hope, we pray you'd replace hope in their hearts. For those who are so in need, whether it's your jobs or health or relational issues, whatever it is, oh God. We lift up fathers today. We pray for your help and your grace. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless them in, indeed in their work and in their family. May their influence be positive as they seek you and teach their families to love you, O oh God. May their life's example be something their children can emulate and become God followers as well. Lord, we ask your blessing upon every family, every family every family, every father. And today we pray for a special father from our midst that is sick in the hospital. We ask you to touch Brother Chris on this Father's Day. Would you specially touch him, God? You see the complications in his situation. You know exactly what's happening. We pray for mercy. As his family looks expectantly to you, Lord, extend your healing hands. Not only to Brother Chris, but to others who are sick. Sister Olive, God, others who are recovering from surgery, Sister Mina, Sister Nella, Sister Marvel, Sister Anne. May you touch Sister Anne in a special way, oh God. You know her specific needs, would you touch? Others may be sick from this body, we lift them up to you, God. Lord, we pray for those with COVID infection. God, would you touch wherever they are today? We pray for your healing grace of families who are infected right now, individuals or infected. We pray for the caregivers and those on the front line, whether through retail business or whatever they do, God, and they're on the front line. But for healthcare workers, we pray especially your covering, your strength, your hope in the midst of all the sadness and the loss. May you strengthen them and give them grace as they minister compassionate and skillful care to those who are sick. Father, may you cause many, many, many to live and recover and to have testimonies of your goodness. We pray for those who are lonely. They have no family today, even fathers who have no family. Lord, may they look to you and may your presence encourage them. And if they're listening to your message today, we pray that many would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, we ask you to remember your men's servant, a father himself. We pray for your rich anointing. We pray for your encouragement and your strength. We pray, oh God, for every father that's present in this body today, in this church. May you minister and those who are watching from home. Touch each one, we pray, in a special way. And Lord, we just pray for our nation. May you hear and have mercy upon our nation. God, you know the many crises that we face. God of all grace. God of mercy. God of peace. We ask your help. We're desperate. Lord, touch the hearts of our rulers. Touch the hearts of their counselors and advisors that they would give wise, godly counsel. Lord, we pray that the laws they make will be just and that we live quiet and peaceable lives in all reference to the Father. We pray for salvation of the lost in our nation. Send forth a mighty revival. God, even as one virus, COVID, hit the world, Send forth your word, O oh God, to hit the world, not in death, but in deliverance and in salvation. 
all over the globe, we pray, send forth revival. Begin with us in this nation. And may the revival spread as waves all over the earth. That the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Hear our cry, O God. Raise up laborers in these last days. Send forth laborers into your vineyard. Be glorified as men and women, boys and girls, submit to the authority in the name of Jesus and put their faith in him. As governments and rulers bow, because you are the supreme ruler of the universe. Hear our cry, O God. Hear our cry everywhere, every corner of the earth where your word is going forth. May bring forth rich harvest of souls. Let not one of your word return to you void. And now, Lord, we commend the service to you. We ask your blessing, for your favor, for your help, for everyone that is hearing. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Would you agree together? Amen. Hallelujah. At this time, I'm going to invite Sister Shana Smith. She has a special tribute for Father's Day. So we invite fathers who are listening and fathers who are here in the sanctuary to join us. Whether you are a natural father, an adopted father, or a surrogate father, you're a father today. Would you welcome Sister Shana as she comes? Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. poem is entitled, What Makes a Dad? God took the strength of a mountain, the majesty of a tree, the warmth of a summer sun, and the calm of a quiet sea, the generous soul of nature, the comforting arm of night, the wisdom of the ages, and the power of the eagle's flight, the soul of a, the joy of a morning in spring, the faith of a mustard seed, the patience of eternity, and the depth of a family need. Then God combined these qualities. When there was more to add, he knew his masterpiece was complete. And so he called it Dad. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the audience. You guys are truly an amazing resource for us. Amen. Thank you, Shana. Amen. The masterpiece, Dad. Happy Father's Day to all the dads here and those who are watching. And right now we have some presentations and just because of social distancing, I will be doing two of them and I think Brother Hamilton, Brother Hamilton, okay, you're going to come. Let me present first and then you come. So we invite Pastor to come at this time and we have a special presentation one from the ladies of the church and one from our church itself. So, Pastor, on behalf of the ladies of LWBC and you ladies, watch out. We're doing what we promise. And the entire congregation and the board of this church, we express our appreciation for your commitment. Uh, you've always been committed and faithful, but in this pandemic, you have gone the extra mile. You have fed the sheep. You have encouraged. You have strengthened. You have been a dad. Not only to these from Living Word, but for many who tune in all over the world. Sometimes 700, 800, 1,000 that would never have reached before. And we want to thank you for fathering so many. May God bless you and may these tokens of our love encourage and strengthen you and let you know how much we love and appreciate you. 
God bless you. No kissing. Keep your distance. <laughs> Amen. Brother Hamilton, would you come? And then I have one more. Pastor, on behalf of the men, we would like to say Happy Father's Day. And as a token of our appreciation, here's, we have a gift for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Only Deacon Hamilton. Okay. The women have a special giveaway for a special dad today. So I want to know which dad brought the most children to church today. And you can't adopt anybody's kid, by the way. <laughs> they have to be yours. How many dads brought two children? Three. Okay, let's start at three. Which dad has three children here today? Anybody with two children here today? Any dad? Two children? How many, brother? Two? Three? Three children? Okay. Anybody beat three children? All right. I guess you're on, Brother Lascelles Reed. Congratulations. Happy Father's Day. Little token from the ladies. Enjoy. Back to Pastor. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. I want to shout out some birthdays this, this today. We have several having birthdays today. Sister Doreen Foster is having birthday today. Let's wish her a happy birthday. She's right here. And Sister Eunice Williams, wherever you are, happy birthday. And the mother, new mother, Tracy McDonald, happy birthday. And Sister Sandra Hamilton, happy birthday. Let's get them all a big happy birthday. God bless you on this day. Um, and also, I, you had it this week, last week. Last week was uh, Rebecca's birthday, right? Yeah, let's wish happy, happy, happy belated birthday, Rebecca. Good to see you. All right. And um, there are many more. That's on the 23rd. Many more having it this week. That are this, these are today, and others are having it this week. So we want to wish them a blessed birthday, and may the Lord bless you. So get in my hand. Those having it this week, you're having this. And if you're having an anniversary, we want to congratulate you this week as well. Uh, may God bless you, and may you live to see many, many more. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me make a couple of announcements uh, this morning. Want to remind you that you'll only need to. Register for two more weeks. And uh, some people have already registered for all four weeks. Some people have registered uh, for next week and the other week. And so different ones are coming different weeks, I noticed. So some people are coming at different times. Um, but, the, but you have only two more weeks you need to register. Then you won't be able, it's going to go away from the site. You won't see it. Because as you can see, we can hold. And we did the registration because we weren't sure how we would fit. 
but between the 8th and 11th, we are definitely able to fit. So uh, we had a lot more people a lot come 8 o'clock because they guess they want to be early. Um, but uh, we definitely know that we are able to fit. So if you're sitting at home thinking, are we going to be able to fit? Yes, we can. With both services, that's why we do both 8th and 11th, and uh, we'll be able to fit. So uh, after the next two Sundays, you won't need to register. You can just show up. And uh, we'll have space for you. We'll be able to sit you together as family. And uh, the only thing you need to bear in mind is that you may not be sitting where you normally sit. <laughs> That's the only difference. Uh, there's no guarantee you're going to sit where you normally sit. Because depending on how many are in your party or so forth, it depends on where you sit in the church. Because we have social distancing still being practiced here everywhere. All right. So that's one of the things. I want to remind you about our... Uh, that as of this Wednesday, this is the last Awana for the children. On, and they take their summer break. So this Wednesday, 624 is the last one. And then they'll take a summer break. And then also for the youth Awana, uh, they also break after this Thursday, the 25th. This is their last one before they take a summer break as well. All our online services continue. Uh, we do continue with our Tuesday morning Bible prayer time. Our Tuesday morning prayer time at 10 a.m. You can check in with that at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. And then also on Tuesday evening at 7.15 is our Bible study. If you want to be able to check into that, we've been studying the book of Ruth. And uh, we've been having some good support. Last week we had over 400 people joining us in our Bible study on Ruth. And the people are joining us from different countries as well. So that's a good thing also. And then, of course, on Friday night is our prayer night. And I want to encourage you to join us. Uh, and this Friday uh, will be our third Friday night. And so, or we, did we just pass that? Uh, the, the, it's our fourth Friday night. Uh, time's going fast. And uh, if you join us at 8 p.m. for prayer, we've been doing that weekly. And so that's a good thing. And we'll have those. So those will continue to be with us online and so we're going to be doing that for quite a while um, as we are still in the peak of the COVID right now with what's happening because I want to encourage you to continue to wear your mask wear your mask when you go out keep your social distance and wash your hands so I want to encourage you to do that you be the example you show the others what it what needs to be by complying with what we should be doing I know they say it's optional here in Florida, but I do want to encourage you to do so because you're protecting the next person and you're also protecting yourself. So we encourage you to do that. I want to thank, thank you all for those of you that continue to give online. Uh, we appreciate that and uh, you can do so, continue to do so. Also this morning, there are still some buckets at the end of, the, of some of the rows. If you brought your offering and want to drop it in there before you leave, you're welcome to do that. But you can also continue to be online if you want to do that as well. We do have a new number to text giving. It's on our website. Uh, it's without giving the number. Nevertheless, if you want to text uh, giving, if you want to use text giving, you will text the word give to 954-807-2558. That's 954-807-2558. That's on our website, by the way. 
you'll be able to see that on our website and you'll be able to connect that way as well. I think that, so those are some of the announcements. Um, academic Club, yes, I want to remember that, remind that. The fourth quarter for the Academic Club reports need to be in by July 10th. So if you are participating in the Academic Club, remember, you got to get your reports in by July 10th. Um, so do that because you don't want to miss out. Having given the others, you don't want to miss out. And how do you get it to us? You email it. You email it to lwordobpp at awl.com. In other words, that's the email that's on the program. We're not handing out programs anymore, but you may have an old program. And if you don't remember what it is, call the church office, and they'll tell you the email address, and you can email your report. But your fourth quarter needs to be in by July 10th. Uh, don't, let it, don't, don't miss that date. I want to encourage you to get it in before. And we're going to be working on uh, later on. We'll have our presentation of awards in a service. And so one of those Sunday morning services, you will see we do the presentation for the Academic Club of Excellence. We'll be doing that in a Sunday morning service. So be aware, be watching for that. And then also, we'll be also uh, taking care of prizes and all those different things in the service as well. So get your reports in. And those who are tallying it are working on them. And uh, you'll hear the good news later on. If you're applying for, um, I don't think we have anyone that is at this point. But if you were applying for the scholarship that time, uh, you should have done that already. Um, but I think that uh, whoever is doing that have already done so. All right. I think that those are the announcements that I want to make. I want to ask you to get your Bibles. We're going to read a passage of Scripture, and we're going to go to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings, and we're going to go to chapter 1. 1 Kings chapter 1, and uh, beginning at verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1. I'm going to use the New King James Version, and uh, reading from verse 1 on. So if you'll follow in your Bibles. Now King David was old, advancing years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Therefore his servant said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our lord the king may be warm. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout the, all the territory of Israel, and found Abishag the Shumanite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him, but the king did not know her. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. 
Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zadok, the priest, Benaniah, the son of Jehoda, Nathan, the prophet, Shemiah, Ruiah, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fatted cattle by the stone of Zoheleth, which is by, which is by Enrohi. He also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaniah, the mighty man, or Solomon his brother. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Ananijah, the son of Haggith, has become king? And David, our Lord, does not know it? Come, please let me give you advice, that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on by my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? And while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shumanite was serving the king. Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. Then the king said, what is your wish? Then she said to him, my lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, assuredly Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king, and now my lord the king, you do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest, and Job the command of the army. But Solomon, your servant, he has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, it will happen when my lord the king rests with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. Here in it, God's holy word. We, this is Father's Day, and as we celebrate Father's Day, I want us to give all the fathers again another big hand, wherever the dads are. Let's give all the dads happy Father's Day to every father, wherever you are. We appreciate you. We, we, we thank God for you, and uh, we just want to encourage you this morning and let you know that you are special. And so as we celebrate Father's Day, I don't know what your definition of Father's Day is, but one little boy's definition of Father's Day is this. He says, it is just like Mother's Day, only that you don't spend as much. <laughs> I think that's true, isn't it? Um, I, I don't know about you, but I remember Mother's Day back in May uh, when we went to the store I uh, can tell you, it was packed. There are lots of people getting gifts from mothers. And you know, um, Illinois Bell, the phone company, was struggling with getting their bills out on time. And they had to send word to their customers to say why the bills were late. And it was just after Father's Day. 
and they were selling them. He says, there were lots, so many calls coming in on Father's Day, more calls that came in on Mother's Day, but the problem is that they had to be working on the billing, and the billing was taking a long time because most of the calls that came in on Father's Day were collect calls. <laughs> they were calling that, but they were calling collect. <laughs> you know, that has, that has to pay for you. If dad wants a call, you got to pay for the call. <laughs> uh, mom doesn't pay for the call, but dad pays for the call. And that's, uh, and that's what it is. And, and that's how it is, you know. All right, so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about fathers today. And so before we do, why don't we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us as we look to him and ask him for wisdom. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for fathers everywhere, Lord God. And on this Father's Day, ask a special blessing on dads, wherever they are today, God. May you encourage those that are discouraged. May you give hope to those who need hope. Lord, may you bless your fathers. And may you, the greatest father ever, woo those who need a father today. May they know that you will provide and be there for them to be the greatest father anyone could ever have. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing right now. I ask you that you'll speak through me and that you'll use me for your glory. And that truly, Father, at the end of this, everyone would have said it was good for us to have been a part of this service today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. You know, mothers tend to get all the credit but they also shoulder a lot of the blame for the health and happiness of their children. I'm sure you remember that when I, I used to hear that all the time, if a little, if you misbehave or something, they would say, your mother didn't teach you manners? You know, they never said your father didn't teach you manners. It was always your mother didn't teach you manners. And even when you're a 60-year-old man and your wife complained about something, she probably will say, what did your mother tell you? Your mother didn't teach you anything? It's always about your mother and not your father. And so the mothers get a lot of blame for the health and the well-being of the child. But then also, mothers get a lot of credit too. Have you ever noticed the football games on the television? And when the guys come talking into the camera, who do they say hello to? Mom. Hi, Mom. I mean, I can't remember anyone saying, Hi, Dad. <laughs> but they always shout out, Mom. And so mothers get credit and dads get, uh, they really do get credit for a lot of the well-being of their children. You know, a Gallup poll some years ago said only 72% of Americans feel that they have shown enough appreciation to fathers. So 72% of Americans believe they've shown appreciation to fathers. But you know something? Don't worry about that because fathers have a totally different point of view regarding the appreciation. Would you believe that less than three-quarter percent of Americans believe they've shown enough appreciation to fathers, yet 90% of fathers believe they receive enough appreciation? <laughs> so, so the way fathers view things it's very different, isn't that something? 90% of fathers believe they receive enough appreciation. 
Now, I just told you that mothers get a lot of, mothers get a lot of credit. Interestingly, on the other hand, more Americans believe that they give more appreciation to mothers than fathers. Guess what mothers think? Mothers think they don't get enough appreciation. <laughs> so we get, we get this thing all the other way around. And so I don't know if it's because so, mothers do so many things or because mothers do so much that they think that they didn't get enough appreciation. But that's, the word, that's what the number says. Um, and so it's sort of around the other way. The father doesn't worry, worry much about and think that we've gotten enough. Mother says, no, we haven't gotten enough. And so more, you know, so we find that all of this is going on. So the question comes up this morning, are dad, are dad as essential, are they as essential as moms? And in the research, it's an emphatic yes. The research shows that the love and care of fathers is equally important for the health and well-being of the children as the love of the mothers. In fact, what the research bears out actually is that children are way better off, and that way is uppercase way, way better off with their relationship when their relationship with their father is sensitive, secure, and supportive. They are way better off than even when it is with mom. One of the biggest problems they talked about is the problem of divorce. That is when a father moves out after a divorce. The father-child relationship falters and the child stumbles. If the father stays in the game, they said, the kids will be able to cope with the divorce much better. In other words, in general, children who have dads who actively participate in their care and that interact with them a lot are more likely to be, number one, smarter and more successful in school and work. In fact, kids with involved dads tend to have a higher IQ even beginning at age three. And they found that school-age children with their dads positively involved in their lives are likely to get A's and have higher grade point averages. In fact, later in life, children with positively involved fathers are more likely to have greater success in their careers and end up earning more money. So one, we find that with fathers actively involved in kids' life, they're not only smarter and more successful, but they're happier. Children have a much better disposition because their dads are involved in their life. In fact, what they found, research found, is that kids where fathers are actively involved in their lives have more friends and better relationships. They have fewer conflicts with their peers. In fact, they are not only happier themselves, but their mothers are happier. And then kids with their dads actively involved in their life are much less likely to get into trouble or otherwise engage in risky behaviors. And so positive, positive involvement of fathers in the lives of their children has tremendous benefits. It protects kids from substance abuse and also 
we find that it protects them from getting involved in crime, especially the boys. So do fathers really deserve all that credit? Do they all, do they have that real impact? The researchers says, the researcher says, yes, they do. And they've looked at it in many different ways. In fact, Dr. David Popeno, who's a professor of sociology at Rutgers University and a co-director of the National Marriage Project, he has provided us with a summary of how important dads are. Here's what he said. Fathers are more than just second adults in the home. Involved fathers, especially biological fathers, bring positive benefits to their children that no other person is likely to bring. Did you hear that? They provide protection and economic support and male model, male role models. And listen to this. They have a parenting style that is significantly different from that of the mother. And that difference is important in healthy child development. In other words, what I say is one of the most vital aspects of dad's contribution to the lives of kids lies precisely in what Dr. Pepono calls his significantly different parenting style. Men and women are different, and as a result, mothers and fathers parent their children differently. Now, I'm sure you can, bear, you, you can bear testimony to that. Mothers and fathers parent children differently. You know, uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I've seen, I, I've stood here in this pulpit, and I've looked in the mother's room over there, and I've seen a dad with his baby throwing him in the air and catching the baby. I'm going to tell you, I've never seen a mother throwing a baby in the air and catching it. I mean, you know, mom's just not going to do that type of thing. And so, uh, you know, we've had situations where uh, parenting the child or the children is a struggle because of the different parenting styles. You know, mom will say, I, I was just recently talking to a, a young man who is in a situation with his wife, and it was about parenting issues. And he was telling me that he was scolding the child and sending the child to, to discipline the child a certain way. And on the other hand, the mother says, you're harassing the child or you're antagonizing the child. And the father was saying, I'm just carrying out the discipline. And so there is, and so what happens is that the mother and father got into it and the child gets off scotch-free because of the different parenting style. So... What we need is balance. And here's what the research says. It says, neither style of parenting is adequate in and of itself. In other words, just the mother's style and the father's style, though they're different, not one is better than the other, and one by itself is not adequate. The research shows that you need both, that when you have both the father parenting style and the mother parenting style working together, and they work together, what it says is that you are raising a more well-rounded individual. And so the parenting styles are necessary from both. What needs to happen, though, is that parents need to discuss the way we're going to discipline 
because that becomes a big challenge in a lot of families. And it gets even worse when the child belongs to one person in the couple. In other words, whether it's the mother's child or the father's child, it complicates the issue of discipline. And of course, a lot of times arguments are come out of the fact that it's because it's my child or it's because it's not your child. And you get into all those kind of things and it's a challenge. And so, but the parenting styles where we're finding is that both styles are important and both styles are needed, but we need a balance. We need to be able to work together to make it effective. So in other words, what we're hearing is that the research bears out that a father's involvement in the life of the children is, is critical. It has a significant impact. Now with all that being said, we had a problem. We have a major crisis. And what is that crisis? It's a crisis of fatherlessness. You see, despite all the positive impact I just told you, according to 72% of U.S. population, Fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem facing America, they say. And so because of that, Father's Day today is different where there is no father. When there's no father around, Father's Day have a totally different meaning than you and I trying to talk about Father's Day today. Let me give you two examples of two actual individuals and what they, how they see Father's Day. Here is what one young man says. What do these days mean to children like me who have to grow up without one parent in their lives? Asked Louis Steptoe, who had just graduated from high school. Instead, he says he celebrates Father Figure Day. Why? Because he honors his godfather. William Ford, who he says was always present with him. In fact, there was a picture with this article. And in the picture was Lewis and his godfather and his godbrother at his graduation ceremony. And so it is that father was not there. And so for him, he says, I, don't, I can't celebrate Father's Day. He celebrates Father Figure Day. And then there's this other young lady, Kaylin. Kaylin is from Rockville, Maryland, and she met her father only once in her lifetime. And she barely remembers him, she says. Her sister, on the other hand, has a different father and sometimes get, get gifts from him, but she doesn't have a good relationship with her dad. And so here's what Kaylin says. I don't think of my dad as a father. I don't think of him as anything. Wow. That's a very sad state to be in. I don't think of him as anything. You see, the unfortunate thing is, just like those two, they're among millions of children across the United States who are growing up in a one-parent household without father in their lives. Fatherlessness during childhood has become a major part of American life due to divorce and, ra and, ra and, and the rise of having children outside of marriage. 
Overwhelmingly, the one-parent household are led by who? Women. You know, the, the tell us from the U.S. Census Bureau, it says an estimated 24.7 million children in America live absent their biological father. And there are millions more that have dads that are physically present but emotionally absent. Fatherlessness, they say, if it was classified as a disease, would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency. We're told that of students in grades 1 to 12, 39% live in homes absent their biological fathers. In the black family, it is 57.6%. In the Hispanic, 31.2%. And in the white, 20.7%. So as the, as the research supports, children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, be involved in drug and alcohol abuse, drop out of school, and suffer from health and emotional problems. In fact, they say boys are more likely to become involved in crime and the girls are more likely to become pregnant as teens. Fathers, are you listening? You are wanted. You are critical. Your role is critical. Your role is important. And in this Father's Day, I want to appeal to every dad to let you know that you have a part to play. And it's never too late to be a dad. You know, you, 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 as you grow older, you realize you'll still be a parent for the rest of your life. You'll never stop being a parent. And so that is not too late for you to be a dad the way you're supposed to be. You may say, I blew it, Pastor. You may say, I, didn't, I realized I didn't do the right thing. Well, can I tell you? You can still make some corrections. It's not too late. Having said that about fathers, I want to turn and look at a particular dad because we've been studying the life of King David. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at David. And of all the patriarchs in the Old Testament, David is among the greatest. He was a shepherd. He was an armor bearer, a harp player for Saul. He was a soldier. He was a king. He was a prophet of God was a husband, and he was a father. But while each of all of those roles gave David challenges, nothing was more challenging to him than that of being a dad. As a parent, David showed some traits that are worthy of imitation, but he also demonstrated serious flaws that we would do well to avoid. This morning I want to look at both of them. Both the flaws and the mistakes that David made as a dad. So we can avoid them. And then look at the positive things that David did as a dad. So that we can apply them and embrace them. Let's talk about the negative first. The things that he didn't do so well. Not going to highlight a lot. Just to take a few of them. In 2 Samuel chapter 13. We read the story about David's son, Ammon. 
Now, David had many sons. I think he had about 10 sons. He had about nine wives, if I remember right. Um, and he had 10 sons, and this son was called Ammon. And Ammon raped his half-sister Tamar. And when he did, the king was very angry. But here's what happened. Now, he was angry, but the king did nothing about it. He took no action. And so the first mistake of David we begin to see is that David was not, he did not properly restrain and discipline his sons. In other words, David's problem as a dad here we find was passivity. He didn't want to discipline them as he should. And so when that happened, when Ammon raped his sister, her brother, her full brother Absalom was very mad. And Absalom from that moment planned to get even with Ammon. And so one day, two years later, Absalom had a party and made sure that Ammon was there. And he had given instruction to his men that once Ammon had a few drinks, they told him, kill him. That's exactly what they did. And can I tell you that after they killed Ammon, David again did nothing about it. He didn't take any action. He didn't punish him. And what happened was Absalom fled to another city. And the only thing David did was said he could not come back to Jerusalem. So we find here that David was not disciplining his children. But the Bible actually gives us another story that is even more clear. It involved what we just read about this morning. The son Adonijah. When David was getting old, the Bible tells us, it says that Adonijah decided that he will be king. And so he got Joab, David's commander, and he got uh, Abiathar, David's priest, and he won many of the leaders, and he had them on his side, and he took them somewhere, and they celebrated and made him king while David was still on the throne, but he was elderly. And when the word got to David, and the Bible says, here's what the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 1 about David. He says, and his father, David, had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? Can you imagine the father had never rebuked the son at any time about anything? You know, there, you know I, I, I know of a situation where a gentleman says that, you know, he's senior now, a mature man right now. But when he was growing up, his parents never disciplined him, never chastised him. In fact, they didn't care whether he'd come or go. They didn't know where he was. And he would do things to get their attention, and they just ignored him. In this case, David knew what was happening, and David did not discipline his children. And you know, the interesting thing about it is that the Bible put that in parenthesis. And right beside that in parenthesis, the Bible says this. It says this about Adonijah. 
he was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. You think the Bible put he was very good looking there just to fill up space? It put it there because it put it right beside the fact that David had never corrected him. Because it wants us to know something. I got to tell you, there are people that, there are parents like that. There are parents, because of how you look, you get treated differently than the other children. And I got to tell you, um, you know, someone talked about the fact that uh, when they were growing up, uh, I, I understood when they were growing up, the way they would refer to them is that this is Miss So-and-So ugly daughter. You know, that, that's how they were. Or this is Miss So-and-So ugly son. And that's how they would refer to them. They would not even call the person by name. But that's how they would refer to them. And it's amazing how people treat you differently when you look differently. And so the Bible didn't put that he was very handsome beside that for the sake of filling the space. It was because there, are, there is no doubt that many times people treat people who seem in our eyes, quote unquote, handsome or beautiful differently. You know, I could never, I, I always thought about the fact not that, uh, not that both of my sons are not handsome, but for some reason I remember whenever I, Brian was little bit and I took him somewhere with me, they were always giving him stuff. People are always reaching out to give him stuff. They're always trying to give him stuff. And um, no matter where I went, whatever store I would took him to, they were, they were looking, little boy, and they want to give him things. And so people look at people and they treat you in their eyes based on how they see you. And a lot of people get away with some stuff because of their, how they look. And so the Bible tells us that David never rebuked Ananijah. No matter what he did, he never said to him, why did you do that? Now I'm going to tell you, that's not the answer. The answer for passivity is loving discipline and loving correction. You see, my friend, love that does not correct or discipline is not love. The Bible says to us, whom the Lord loveth, he what? He chastens. And the Bible says, if God doesn't chasten you, guess what it says you are? A bastard. The Bible says, if God doesn't chasten you, you're not one of his legitimate children, so to speak. You're a bastard. And so discipline is important. One of the roles of a parent is to pass along spiritual and moral leadership. We need to correct the wrongs and teach our children what is right, what is proper behavior, and what is not acceptable. And there should be consequences for those actions. There should be consequences for the actions. If you want your family to understand that you don't care about them, then don't do anything. Be passive and indifferent. But if you want your kids to learn from right from wrong and consequences to their actions, that if they do something really dumb, it's going to be a problem, and you lay down the law, you lay down the rules and the guidelines that they need to follow, you will find that in the long run, it's going to be better off for you. i got to tell you how many adults that I know, that I come in contact with, who blame their parents because they said, the reason why we are doing this 
is because you never disciplined us. You have adults blaming their parents today for their behavior and for what's happening in their relationship because they attributed it to the fact that their parents never corrected them and disciplined them when they were children. They got off with it. And you know what we find? Is that a lot of parents are afraid to provide the consequence to their children because you know what they said? They don't want the child to hate them. Well, I got to tell you, too many times when you try to put your, the rules into place and put the consequences, what does your child tell you? You're the worst mom. Or you're the terrible dad. And they try to make you like you're the worst one ever. All because they want to manipulate you and let you believe that everybody else's parent is letting them off except for you. You're the worst. Don't worry, that, don't worry about them calling you the worst. Do what you need to do. Carry out the discipline that you need to carry out. There are consequences, there are rules, and there are guidelines. And you want to make sure that you follow them. Because one of the problems that some parents have that I hear is that some parents want their child to be their friend. But I got to tell you, your child is not your friend. Your child is not your friend. It does not mean that you can't have a great relationship with your child. It doesn't mean that you don't have a loving, kind relationship with your child. You should. It doesn't mean that you don't have a warm relationship with your child. You should. But your child is not your friend. And so, you know, I, I remember one situation where that person, the child, was their best friend. Now, I thought that the person's wife would be their best friend, not the child. The child is not supposed to be your best friend. Your best friend is someone else. But I want to tell you, and so we have to be very careful that we don't overdo it. Now, it was, so you need rules, but you need relationship with the rules, according to Josh McDowell. He says, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So in other words, we, we need the relationship and then we also need the rules, and they will follow the rules because of the relationship. Because if you have rules without relationship, he says, what you'll end up having is rebellion. So David was very passive, and that's a big problem that he made as a dad. The second problem that David had was he favored one child over the other. There was favoritism that David practiced. Did you remember who practiced that also that created a problem in the Bible? Remember Jacob with Joseph? That he gave, he made him the coat of many colors. And you see the problem created with the brothers and the siblings. That's why they want not only the dream, but you see not only the dream why they wanted to kill him is because also they, he, was, he was a daddy's boy. And he was a, was a favorite. That's why he made him a coat and didn't give didn't to, to any to the others. And favoritism is a problem. And guess what? David had a favorite. His favorite was Absalom. Now here's the interesting thing. Is that the very one that David favored most. Was the one who turned against him the greatest. In fact what happened is that Absalom decided that he could do a better job than his father. 
So he stood at the gate of the city, and when the people came to ask the father for advice, he would say, tell me what the problem is. And he says, oh, if I were king, I would do this for you. But I'm not king, so I can't get to do that for you. And he would keep telling the people that. And the Bible says over time, he won the hearts of the people. And after a time, he decided that he was going to become king. And he got his group together. And they crowned him king. And there were so many people on his side that when word got to David, David had to flee from Jerusalem, run from the throne. And the Bible says David was running, and he had to go so fast and so quick, he was even going barefooted as he was traveling, the Bible tells us. And David had to run from the very son that he had favored so much, Absalom. And so David ran, and he... he he, he went away, and the problem is that uh, even while David was going, and the, there was going to be a civil war now between the troops of Absalom and the troops of David. And yet David still told Joab, his commander, if you run into the child, Absalom, please don't kill him. Yet Absalom was trying to chase David to kill him. But Absalom had these, we're told that Absalom had hair that went all the way down here. Long hair. And during the battle, he was riding through the forest because that's where David was in the wilderness. And as he was riding, because he was riding at the speed that he was going, his hair went up in the air and it got caught in some of the branches and tang wrapped over. And the Bible says the horse went on while he kept dangling in the air. And someone saw him from Job, from David's side, and told Job, and Job and, and, and said, and Job asked him, Didn't you kill him? He says, No, the king says we shouldn't hurt him. And Job says, Oh, yes, but tell me where he is. And Job took the javelin and right through him and killed him. The problem is. You know, you would say that David's problem is over. I know it's his son and he's mourning for him. But the Bible says David mourned so much for Absalom. He kept weeping and wailing about Absalom and mourning. In fact, David says, oh, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. It would be better if I died instead of you. And David went on so much over Absalom that he ignored the troops who had put their life on the line to protect him. Job had to come into David and says, do you know what you're doing? The men are very embarrassed. Because they feel like they served you for nothing. Because now this man, your son is dead. And all you're talking about is Absalom. And you show no respect for what they did to put their lives on the line for you. If you don't go out there and talk to them right now, you'll never have a man standing with you again. It was Job who got David to come to his senses and to recognize. Because the favoritism had gotten sore. It's one thing I understand you don't want any of your child to die. But it's another thing to be so wrapped up. That you can't even recognize to that, the, that the man that all you saw and all you think about is the son that is dead. The one that was trying to kill you in the first case. Because he is your favorite. You see, David would not be lamenting if it was another son like that. That's the problem with it. The problem is not that he's lamenting that he's lost a son. 
Anybody would do that. The problem is lamenting because it is Absalom. See, because he wouldn't do that for another son. That's his favorite. And that was the problem. Now, I want to talk about the positive side now then. Because those are two things that he did that as a dad, that didn't go so well. Let's look at the positive side quickly. One of the things that we saw is that when David, David, you remember, was in his house, in his palace, and he, as he was looking at the palace and he saw the beautiful palace, he thought to himself and said, you know, the ark of God is in a tent and I'm in a palace. This is beautiful. He says, I'm going to make a build a temple for God that the ark of God can be in a beautiful place. And when he, when he said that, and put it, said it in his heart. God saw that and sent Nathan the prophet to him and tell him, that's a great thing you're doing. That's a great desire. I want, I'm going to let the temple be built, but I won't let you build it because you have too much blood on your side. I'm going to let your son do it. You have too much blood on your hand. Well, you know, David could have gotten, taken it a very different way. He could have sulked. He could have decided, you know, I mean, it was my idea, my thought, and he wanted. Instead, David got behind the project, and he wanted his son to succeed. In other words, David showed interest in his son's life. He showed interest in what was happening to his son. Wise dads today will take an interest in their children's activities at school, in work, and especially in their relationship with God. And so David got behind the project and he made sure there were enough materials. He gathered materials because Solomon was a young man and he couldn't handle all of this stuff at that age. And so David got behind the project and he wanted Solomon to succeed when he succeeded him as king. And he made sure that the materials were there, the lumber that came from, from another country. And all the gold and all the different things that he was going to kneel. David helped Solomon to make sure that the project would be successful. He was interested in the life of his son, the future of where he's going. We need to be concerned about our children and to be able to, if there's a way that we can help them to make their lives better, that we do so. The second thing that David did right was he gave godly counsel. To Solomon. He gave godly counsel to Solomon. In David's last time as he approached death. He says to Solomon. Be thou strong therefore. And show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God. To walk in his ways. That thou mayest prosper. In all that thou doest. First Kings chapter 2. David encouraged Solomon. He says my son. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Live for God. Walk, keep his commandments. Follow his ways. Because that's the way you're going to be successful. I think that's the greatest thing we could ever do for our children. Is to pass on that godly heritage. To encourage them to walk with the Lord. To encourage them to live for God. And to understand that your life will be prosperous when you follow God. Like the rest of us, David was flesh and bones and a mere mortal. As a father, he endured hardships and he made mistakes and did some things well. And today, as I said, you can still, if you even think that I didn't do well, I didn't do so well, you, and you still have an opportunity, you can make the correction today. And then the third thing and final thing that I said David did 
was he wanted to leave a legacy of justice and righteousness with his son. You see, after the Bible says in Second in First Kings chapter five, after he had told him about building the temple and securing all that, he says, "There's something else." First Kings two verse five. He says, "There's something else." He says, "You remember Joab? Joab killed two of my army commanders." He says, you're a wise man. I'm going to leave him to you. Do with him what you think best. But don't let him grow old and go to his grave in peace. <laughs> David wanted Solomon to settle the score. And said, you know what? You know what is wise to do. You do the right thing. But he was not only on that side. He says to him. There's another family that I want you to be kind to. He says, be kind to the sons of Barzillia of Gilead. Make them permanent guests at your table. For they took care of me when I fled from Absalom. He reminded Solomon, he says, be, learn to be grateful. To be thankful to those who were kind to you. Be grateful and treat them kindly. And so David wanted Solomon to continue that legacy. And he says, be kind to Barzillia of Gilead. He was kind to me. And to ask him to make them permanent at his table was a big blessing. To make them sit around the king's table permanently. To provide for them permanently at his table was asking Solomon a big favor. Because he says, they owed me, they treated me well. I want you now to treat them well. And then he says, one last one. He says, there was a man by the name of Shimei. When I was, when I was running from Absalom, your brother, Shimei, who was a relative of Saul, he never accepted the fact that I was king. He came out and he picked up dust. And he would throw dust at me and curse me. One of my men said, should I kill him? And I said, no, no, let him curse me. Because the more he cursed me, the more God probably will bless me. He says, I won't kill him. So David, of course, you know, fled into the wilderness. When, Solomon, when Absalom died, he came back. And when he was coming back, do you know who would one of the person run to greet him? Shimei, oh my lord, the king. Pretending like he never did anything before. Trying to be nice now. David said to him, go home. I won't kill you. But before he died, he said to Solomon, take care of Shimei, you're a wise man. You know what to do. And Solomon said to Shimei, I'm not going to kill you. You go home, but you must never leave Jerusalem. The day you leave, you will die. And Shimei said, Thank you, my Lord. That is so, I, I'm so grateful. That is, I, I accept it. And he was happy. And he went home. Two years later, 
some of Shimei's laborers ran away. Free labor ran away. And you know, once you touch the pocket, you know, money changes a lot of things to people, isn't it? All of a sudden, Shimei seemed to have forgotten that his life was in danger because he's losing labor. He saddled his donkey and went to the, to the city where they were, fetched them, brought them back, and thought he was fine. And word got to Solomon that Shimei had left Jerusalem and come back. He just sent one of his men to take care of him. That's what happened. So David, he made mistakes like just any other dad that made mistakes. But he also had some good things that he did as any other dad does. And today I want to say to you that if you feel that you have not lived up to the responsibility as well, and your children are still alive, no matter how old they are, I want to let you know, a parent will always be a parent for life. And you still have an opportunity to make right. It's never too late to start doing the right thing. I want to close with a story that is true that I saw years ago. I saw it play out on television in another country. Some of you may have seen it. But it reflected the dedication and the commitment of a father. On December 7, 1988, an earthquake devastated the northwestern section of Armenia, killing an estimated 25,000 persons. In one small town, directly after the earthquake, a father rushed to his son's school because it was in the day, only to find that the school had been flattened and there was absolutely no sign of life in the school. But he had no thought of turning back. He had often told his son this word. He says to his son, no matter what, I will always be there for you when you need me. And though the possibility of anyone surviving this devastating earthquake appeared hopeless, he began feverishly removing the rubble from where he thought his son's classroom was. Other parents just watched in grief because as far as they're concerned, everybody's dead. And they just cried for their son or their daughter. In fact, some told the father to go home, that there was no chance that any of the, the children would be alive. To which the loving father replied, I made my son a promise that I'll be there for him anytime he needed. I must continue to dig. Courageously, he proceeded alone. No one volunteered to help him. He simply said, I have to know for myself, is my boy alive or is he dead? With strength and endurance beyond himself, this father, this faithful, loving father, continued to dig for eight hours, for 12 hours, for 24 hours. In fact, he went on for 36 hours. He wouldn't stop. 
And in the 38th hour, as he heaved away a heavy piece of rubble, he heard voices from a tiny hole under his feet. A man! He screamed. A child voice responded, Dad, it's me! Then the little boy turned to his, mate, his classmates that were with him, some of them. I told other kids, he says to his father, I told other kids not to worry. I told them that if you were alive, you'd save me. And when you save me, they'd be saved because you promised you would always be there for me. In fact, not only was the man's son alive, but there were 13 other children that were saved because of a father's love who would not give up even when the situation was hopeless. I want to tell you this morning that that's just like our Heavenly Father who did not give up on us when we sinned, but became like one of us, paid the price for our freedom from the consequences of sin, which was death, by giving his life in exchange for ours, was raised from the dead to rescue all who believe in him from going to an eternal damnation. And one day he will return for us because he's promised that he'll come again. He's promised that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that heavenly father will keep his word even as this father kept his word. So this afternoon, I want you to know that if you don't have a father, if you never knew of a father, if you don't have an active father in your life, I want to invite you to embrace a heavenly father that will always be there for you. A heavenly father that will never leave you nor forsake you. A heavenly father that has already traded his life of his son, his only begotten son, for your life. So that you and I can have the freedom and the liberty from the consequences of sin. And to be able to one day spend eternity with him. And I tell you my friend, he's coming soon. He's coming one day to take us back to him. Can you give him praise this, this afternoon for who he is and what he's done for us? Our heavenly father awaits you today. If you don't have a father... If you don't have an earthly father you could recognize or an earthly father that's not actively in your life or you don't know your father, can I tell you to embrace everyone can have a wonderful father because there is a heavenly father that wants to be your father. And you can approach him and when you ask for forgiveness for your sins, you are able to say, Abba, Father. And he, just like the father with the prodigal son, will welcome you home. He won't ask you what you did wrong. He won't focus on what the mistakes you made. He won't focus on the fact that all that you went through and the challenges and the difficulty. He will say, come. And he will welcome you home because, and he will rejoice that you have embraced him. Because I want to tell you, he's the best father anyone can have. He's the greatest dad of all dads. 
And so we could say happy Father's Day to the Father of Fathers. Can you join me in saying that? Happy Father's Day to the Father of Fathers. He is the best father ever. So today, my friend, if you don't have a father, you don't know a father, I want to invite you to receive him as your father by coming to the father through Jesus Christ. The Bible says no one can come to the father except through me, Jesus said. And as you receive Christ, the son that he sent to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins, you then qualify to receive God the father as your heavenly father. No longer just your creator. But now. More than your creator. Better than even your creator. You now have a relationship. Where you can say Abba Father. I want you to do that today. If you have never done so before. Let's pray. Our father and our God. We thank you that. You're such a wonderful father. And you're always there for us. We thank you. That there is none like you. There is none to be compared to you. So this afternoon as we. Stand before you today. And we celebrate Father's Day. We declare. That you are the greatest father ever. You are the best father. You are the exemplary father. You are the father who forgives us over and over again. You are the father that will discipline us when we are out of line. But you discipline us with love, never with abuse. You are the father who protects us. You are the father who provides for us. Daily you provide for us. Day after day, we see your hand of mercy. We see your loving kindness, which is better than life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being the Father that you are to us. And we pray for that one today who does not have a Father in their lives that is actively involved in their lives. And for that one that may not know their biological father. But today they may embrace you. Because you're available. And you've promised never to leave us nor forsake us. You'll always be there. You'll never run anywhere. You'll never go anywhere. We can always call on you. You're reliable. You're dependable. You're trustworthy. You're an awesome father. You're the father of fathers. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for being such a good, good father. We bless your holy name today. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. You're a father who never gives up on us. 
You have promised that no matter what, you will always be there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No matter what, you will always be there. Thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you that you don't pick favorites. Thank you that you don't show favoritism. Thank you. You are the one with the ability to be able to love us all equally. None greater than the other. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. I pray for fathers everywhere today, God, and for those that feel inadequate, for those that feel like they have not measured up. May you encourage them today. May they know that they're wanted. There's a place for them. There's a role for them. That it's not too late to still be the father. I pray that they'll be encouraged today to know that you are with them and that you are willing to help them to be the kind of father they want to be. Bless fathers everywhere today, God. Touch their lives. May they never be the same again because of today. May this be a different Father's Day, one like they've never experienced before. May the presence of God, the Spirit of God surround them right now. May they know that they're appreciated, that they are wanted, they are needed. Oh God, do it we pray today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together with me. Hallelujah. I want to remind you that Tuesday morning is our next online prayer service, prayer meeting on Tuesday morning at 10, and then in the evening at Tuesday 7.15, you can join us for Bible study as we continue to look at the book of Ruth. We're going to be dealing with relationships in that book. And we're focusing on a number of things that will contain with marriage and questions will come up and issues will come up. And we're going to ask individuals to uh, send their questions in while we're doing that Bible study. If you have a question related to relationship or marriage or courtship, it's going to see all of that in Ruth. You're going to see courtship. You're going to see marriage. You're going to see baby being born. You're going to see a family being started. It's a fascinating little book for such a time as this. There's a lot of marriages and issues and a lot of relationships having challenges. We want to be able to give some answers to some of that and they'll come out of that book as well. Wanna God wanna bless every father today and ask you, fathers, wherever you are, may you have a blessed day. I am thankful for this day was already blessed with a great breakfast. Thank the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. 
So all our fathers, we pray blessing on you today. Do you raise your hand as I pronounce the ironic blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace as together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Take a moment right now just to look around and greet somebody. Get them a holy wave, a virtual wave, a virtual hug, a virtual hi. Um, maybe you can recognize them under the mask. <laughs> but uh, maybe somebody you haven't seen for a while. Yeah, you just put your offering in any bucket. If you want to leave them in the buckets, you can just drop them in the buckets. And... Uh, then just head out through the doors. We have opened all the doors. And if you park on the east, you can go through the east doors. If you're on the west, you can go through the west door. And if you're on the south, you want to go to the south. And we don't let you congregate. You go and come. God bless you. Have a blessed day. Blessings. Good to see you all. Bless you, my brother. Happy Father's Day. Good to see you, my friend. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you, Kayan. And bless you. Bless you, Kwen. Bless you, my friend. Bless you, sister Tamara. God bless. Blessings on you, my brother. God bless. Happy Father's Day again. Praise God. Hey, good to see you, Anna Kay. I didn't recognize you. Bless you. Give you a virtual hug. <laughs> uh huh.